You're listening to Heartland Politics with Robin Johnson, a presentation of WVIK Quad Cities NPR. to the Heartland Politics Show and Podcast, which is aired on and distributed by WVIK Quad Cities NPR. WVIK is the flagship public radio station in the Quad Cities region of Northwestern Illinois and Eastern Iowa. This is your host, Robin Johnson. And today, I'm very pleased to have on um, as my guest, Josh Kroshar, who is the editor-in-chief of Jewish Insider, which covers U.S. politics, philanthropy, and business news uh, from a Jewish angle. And uh, he's also the author of Sunday Sneak on Axios, and he's a Fox News radio political analyst. Uh, Josh, uh, welcome, and um, uh, please share with me. I know you've been covering very closely the terrorist attacks in Gaza uh, in the Middle East. What's some of the latest news coming from over there? Well, well, the big news that we're waiting for is uh, when uh, a ground invasion by by uh, Israel is going to take place. There's- you know, been a lot of counterterrorism, counter, you know, uh, bombings and trying to soften uh, the, the the infrastructure to, to go. But, but there's, you know, a couple hundred thousand uh, plus uh, IDF soldiers waiting to for, for the, the, the green light uh, on, on a ground invasion of Gaza. The prime minister of Israel uh, on Wednesday evening uh, said that this ground invasion is going to be taking place. Israel needs to restore deterrence. Uh, they can't live with uh, uh, you know uh, Hamas on its border. The, the, the terror attacks of October seventh was a wake up call um, for Israel, and it's, it's still uh, affecting the Israeli psyche. And, and I think uh, we're you know it's imminent, uh, and in the coming days that uh, there will be some type of ground invasion into Gaza. There seems to be some pressure uh, from some quarters to kind of uh, delay further uh, a ground attack or to try to. Um, uh, bring some measure of uh, a halt to that while some kind of talks continue or whatever? Is that pretty much fruitless? Do you, do you think this is pretty much guaranteed that uh, there will be a ground invasion? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, Israel doesn't really have any, any other options. If you, you know, could could imagine if there were, um, I mean, it was the, the attack, uh, the terror attack on October 7th killed uh, over 1,400 Israelis in the most brutal and, and vicious ways. You have two over 200 hostages being held in Gaza, and, and you have uh, thousands more injured. Um, the equivalent, if you just look at the death toll in Israel, would be in 9-11, we lost a little over 3,000, I believe, Americans. This would be like 40,000 Israelis if you if you kind of scale to the population. So they, you know, if, if America was attacked and there, there were hostages being held in, in Mexico and there was terror taking place in Texas, there would be no doubt uh, that there would be some kind of counter response and an intense one at that. So there's very, very little doubt that Israel is going to uh, be uh, going in and taking out sort of the infrastructure of terror that's been allowed to build, be built up by Hamas in, in Gaza. Um, now, what's happening now? There, there's we wrote a story in Jewish Insider, which I think kind of uh, lays out the dynamic pretty, pretty clearly, which is that President Biden has been. Uh, what we call giving a bear hug to the Israelis and that he's shown strong solidarity with Israel. He has given them um, support for doing whatever they need to take out Hamas. He's compared Hamas to ISIS. But at the same time, privately, he's uh, urged for some more time, maybe some restraint. Um, he uh, certainly wants uh, more humanitarian aid uh, to go into Gaza. 
I think the, there's some concern about Amer- American military personnel in the region. We have American troops in Syria. Uh, we have American troops in Iraq. Uh, there have been attacks by Iranian proxies that, that have injured at least a couple dozen military personnel. So there's a desire to get some of the American defenses in the region uh, amped up before uh, any any ground invasion takes place by Israel. But look, uh, aside from a delay, and I think it's taken a little longer than, than many expected, but there's very little doubt that, that Israel is going to go in and, and take out uh, – at least the best they can, the infrastructure of terror that's been allowed to be built up in, in Gaza by Hamas. I think generally the, the Israel is is pleased with the Biden administration's response so far up to this point. Well, look, uh, in the immediate aftermath of the October 7th terrorist attacks, uh, Biden couldn't have been more supportive. And not only that, he went to Israel and uh, met with families of the hostages that are worried about the the, where where their where their families and kids and 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 you know parents are it's it's a very very fraught situation um but you know in, in, for those for those uh, families of hostages in particular um and I you know, look his popularity in Israel at least for the moment is, is quite good uh, Israel was is, is uh you know was sort of skeptical of, of Biden and skeptical of sort of his predecessor Democratic predecessor I should say Obama uh for his record in the Middle East uh but Biden you know Biden really won over a lot of political capital within within the Jewish state in fact uh, there were signs and billboards praising his his reaction and his solidarity with Israel in the aftermath of the terrorist attacks but I look I think a lot lot there's a lot more to come and whether Biden is able to continue supporting Israel is going to give the same degree of solidarity once uh, ground war begins and there are going to be civilian casualties. They're going to be, um, it's going to be messy. And, and the question is, does the American president have the, the political stomach uh, to, to allow Israel to do what it needs to take out Hamas? Uh, that's going to be a big question, both politically in the U.S. I mean, there are a lot of uh, Jewish Americans. This is a wake-up call um, for all Americans, but certainly in the Jewish community and among liberal Jews especially, where this is a wake-up call about uh you know, with the threats that, that Jews face domestically and in Israel. Um, and it, it certainly um, affected the politics uh, going into 2024. Uh, there's also, a, you know, a very uh, young and left-wing faction within the Biden coalition that has been, you know, screaming at the top of their lungs for Israel to, for, to call for a ceasefire and call for Israel not to do anything uh, to respond to the to the October 7th terrorist attack. And you can see in Biden's comments, he's uh, urged, He's, he's spoken out against Islamophobia. He's been trying to, uh, you know, speak and have some uh, conversations with those those uh, communities. Um, you know, the politics are pretty clear. The majority of Americans and the clear majority of Democrats are very supportive of Israel generally. Um, but the question is, is is this very progressive, very left wing faction uh, that is anti-Israel in, in the broadest of senses? Are they going to have any impact in terms of uh, affecting the Biden administration's decisions once this ground war likely gets underway? Yeah, um, I I guess you know Israel's built up this uh, certainly with me, and I think with a lot of a lot of other folks, this image of just being um, this this um, almost mini superpower where attacks like this were just unthinkable. Uh, they've got the Iron Dome and a, and a missile system, which uh, we we've helped with. Uh, the United States has, but I was just surprised at the scope of this attack that was able to be done. Are there going to be some political repercussions there? I mean, I mean, I, obviously the focus yeah. right now is on this war, but uh, how did this? How did this? How was this able to happen? That's a great question, Robin. And actually, it, that's the question Israelis have, even as they're dealing with the pain, even as they're dealing with this psychic wound that 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 that's opened up. It was shocking to to, to, to Israelis. 
that's the, the, they had the same impression that you did, Robin, that Israel's military was was first rate, that they would be able to deter any of the, the rockets or any of the, the, the terror threats that have always been emanating from Gaza. They've been able to the, the, the language in Israel is mow the lawn that, that the Netanyahu government has sort of uh, allowed Hamas to stay in place, but just, you know, take out some terrorist leaders every once in a while, deal with a crisis every few years, but nothing. They never imagined anything at the scale of October, October 7th, um, the scale of, of terror and the scale of, 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 of just barbarity that, that took place. Um, so Netanyahu's job approval numbers, if you care to look at the Israeli polls, are very low. I don't know if you – it's very unlikely, I think, after this war is over that he's going to be able to survive politically. His legacy has forever been altered uh, when it comes to the Israeli public. But there's a war to fight. Um, you know, unlike – after 9-11 in our country, we were united – as we've never been, but also we were united about, um, you know, we were supportive of the of the leaders like George W. Bush, Rudy Giuliani, who led led the charge against ISIS and Al Qaeda, or Al Qaeda, I guess at the time after two two thousand one. Um, in Israel, it's a little different. They they are united uh, in, in a civic sense, like they've never been, and they were divided pretty pretty deeply before uh, before this all happened. Um, but but the the view of the the leadership, uh, in fact, a lot of the government ministers immediately after the attack we're not welcome in hospitals we're not welcome on the on the front lines meeting with military uh, military uh, soldiers um their 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 trust in the government has 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 dipped to a level we haven't seen in a long long time and look there's a war to fight the, the public is putting those issues aside for the moment as this ground war begins there's now a, a unity government of sorts a war cabinet where uh one of the opposition leaders is now part of the decision-making process, along with the defense minister. So Netanyahu has sort of uh, delegated some of his power to to a more broader sense of leadership within the country. But uh, look, the, the the real worry right now is like, how is this war going to be prosecuted? And can Israel deter uh, Hamas? Can they? Uh, it's, this is they have no illusion that this is uh, going to be an easy war. It's going to be a probably a very bloody war, one that will involve a lot of. A lot of Israeli casualties, um, but they don't see any other options because uh, no country could live with a with a, a threat like Hamas after what we saw on October seventh, right on their borders, right, right, ready to attack again. This type of urban warfare is difficult. I've I've had occasion to read a couple books on uh, American involvement, uh, like for example in Hawaii in Vietnam, and then uh, in Fallujah in Iraq, and this is this is tough. It's door to door. It's house to house. The advantage uh, at the beginning, anyway, is with the folks that are there and plant, uh, you know, booby traps, snipers, things like that. Um, is is Israel? And I know Israel's done this type of uh, invasion in the past to a limited degree. But do you feel? Do they feel confident that they could pull this off with with what they have as far as uh, military equipment strategy? Is I mean, obviously they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. But I imagine there's a degree of trepidation there based on history of this type of warfare. Well, the, the, I mean, Fallujah is the, the example that comes up a lot uh, for the Americans. I guess that was 2004, um, and it was an urban uh, battle, a lot of civilian casualties. It was it was under, you know, very, 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 very different terrain than, than what we, you know, historically we're used to. Um, this is this is what, what, what the Israelis are going to be dealing with in, in Gaza. And they've been using a lot of technology and drones and bombs to, in, in the past. They haven't. Uh, it's been a while since they've actually gone in in, in a sustained way uh, on the ground. Um, and th there there are a lot of dangers ahead. They have no illusions uh, about that. But uh, when you look at the infrastructure that Hamas has been building up, I mean, they, a lot of the money that they, they that they you know they get for supposedly humanitarian ends, they end up actually using to build what they call um, the 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 Gaza Metro. It's a series of elaborate 
labyrinth of tunnels underground where they store weapons and, and all kinds and probably is holding some of the hostages or maybe all the hostages at this point it's a very deep underground bunker of, and it's where they store a lot of this the, 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 the weaponry and you know it's it's what they're using uh to to really try to uh to fight against israel and and, and defend and and you know that that's that's going to be their 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 biggest weapon uh, of sorts. So um, this is not going to be easy. This is not going to be uh, an easy mission. No one has any 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 question about that. But um, I think that that's the goal to take out this infrastructure of terror that was allowed to percolate on, under Israel's nose, right right next right, right next door. They had no no inkling of what was happening, and, and they can't allow that to happen again. And that that's uh, I think that that uh, that's been the conclusion for from almost anyone in the Israeli leadership. Why, why, why do you think uh, uh, Hamas chose this time uh, to conduct the, these terror attacks, uh, the, the timing of this? Was there anything in particular they were trying to accomplish, uh, prevent? Uh, what, 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 what's your best thoughts on that? Well, we, we can go with what we know from the, the news reports. Uh, this was took years, two years to plan. So this was a very top secret mission that was not, not done overnight. It was backed by Iran, according to the the Wall Street Journal today. This is something that Iran, the Iranian government, which uh, you know is, has been causing all kinds of mischief in the region against U.S. interests, against against Israel. Um, you know, they're building up their proxy Hezbollah in the north. And you know, having just been in Israel, that was that was the concern of the Israeli government back in the summer that you know Hezbollah was was arming and, and causing a, a real threat in the northern part of the country. Uh, they were a little more sanguine and, and, and wrongly about the south uh, in Gaza, where you know the Gaza border, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the timing is reflective of um, they, they hit on a Jewish holiday. They were I think the Iranian government is uh, was worried about some of the normalization agreements uh, with Saudi Arabia and Israel that could help deter Iran. And they wanted to make a big show of, uh, of terror to, to stop that. Um, but look, the, the, the Hamas, this is something that Hamas always Hamas's charter. Uh, calls for eliminating Israel and killing kill, killing all the Jews like that. that that's what they that, that's what they are. That's what they've always been. So like timing is, you know, there, there certainly was timing and perhaps in relation to some of the events in terms of the, the Saudi-Israel normalization talks. But, you know, this is what they do. This is this is why, uh, you know, Gaza is in such misery uh, generally, because they spend all their money, not for not for their people, but to build essentially a terror state right next to, to Israel on its, on its doorstep. Listening to Heartland Politics on WVIK Quad Cities NPR. I'm your host, Robin Johnson, and my guest today is Josh Kroshauer, who's the editor-in-chief of Jewish Insider, which covers U.S. politics for philanthropy and business news. He's also an, the author of Sunday Sneak on Axios, and he's a Fox News radio political analyst. Um, we've been talking about the terrorist, October 7 terrorist attacks in the Middle East and in Israel and uh, uh, some of the issues involved with that. I want to get into the role of Iran here. Um, this is really a, a dangerous situation, uh, and and I'm I, I know our, a lot of a lot of our listeners are aware of that um, the, the, that Iran reports are the Wall Street Journal just reported today. This we're, we're taping on Thursday that Iran has been has been behind the plotting of this and advising this. Uh, the U.S. government doesn't seem, Josh, and correct me if I'm wrong. They haven't gotten to that conclusion yet, but there's a lot of credible reports saying. Iran's been behind this and aiding and abetting it. Is that kind of what uh, you're hearing? The only question, uh, Robin, is whether Iran was directly planning this along with Hamas and it was they had their fingerprints all over it or whether they knew about it, but maybe they weren't in every little detail, weren't, weren't involved and didn't know every 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 little last thing. I think that's that's where the disagreement between the U.S. government is not saying that Iran was like fully, fully, you know, planning this and they, they were just briefed on it, um, you know, and they caused all kinds of mischief and terror in the region. 
um, versus versus uh, what what a lot of the reporting, from, especially from the Wall Street Journal lately, has has been, um, in that they were actually intimately involved uh, with, with the planning. Uh, but look, Iran is uh, we, we the, the, the look. It's going to be a big political uh, argument in the United States that the Biden White House has been sort of soft or too too uh, focused on diplomacy with Iran. There was a a foreign minister, the Iranian foreign minister, is actually in New York City uh, last night, and and there was an outrage that you know he would be let into the United States after having his fingerprints potentially over this 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 her- horrible terrorist attack in Israel. Um, you know, there's been reporting. Semaphore had a big report last month about um, f- certain folks that were taking talking points from the Iranian government in the United States that were, were worth the United States think tanks, American think tanks, and even some people within the U.S. government that were sort of very solicitous toward the Iranian. Uh, 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 regime, which has been a scandal uh, uh, of some degree, um, and and Rob Malley, who was the, one of the architects of the Iran nuclear deal under Obama and was an advisor for Biden in the Middle East, uh, he's he, he's under investigation by the FBI. We don't know all the details about it, but there's question about uh, what what was going on behind the scenes with him. So there's, Iran is is going to be a big political issue. Um, the Republicans have have argued that the White Biden administration and the Obama administration before it has been way too soft on Iran and not recognize the threat they pose in the region. And look, Iran is already, you know, they're with, through their proxies are already threatening American interests, as we talked about in Syria and, uh, and, and Iraq and continue to do so. And the, the White House was slow to release information. The Pentagon was slow to release information about a number of injuries uh, from American personnel in, 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 in the Middle East because uh, Iran's proxies are threatening them directly. So this is the worry is that this could get you know, if, if things get, get a little hairy, it could become a regional war and the U.S. would have to get much more involved. Uh, they're already trying to deter Iran uh, with with uh, warships in the Medi- in, in, in the Middle East, uh, trying to ensure there's not not another front that opens up in the north of Israel. But um, this, this thing could get 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 very, very tricky, very fast, especially if Iran decides to make things uh, more, more, more problematic. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like wishful thinking on the part of American policymakers that, that Iran could be brought to the table and, and be a productive partner in the Middle East, and it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Well, it's obviously it's not going to happen. Um, if you look at a map, and and I, I know a lot of our listeners are aware of a map of the Middle East, but you just look at the Israel and the size of it, and then you look where Gaza is and then the West Bank, they're surrounded pretty much by by hostile nations that's the fear i mean i i just wonder um if if their their counterparts are just seeing this as an opportunity to really uh fulfill some of their aims the terrorist aims of eliminating the jewish state of, of israel i mean i that's got to be something that concerns folks um uh all americans here yeah i mean look iran is next as uh, israel's been sounding the alarm about iran um, for many, many years, they were very during the Obama years. I think they were very concerned about how the U.S. government was approaching uh, sort of a normalcy or, or rapprochement with Iran. Um, the nuclear deal being the capstone to that. But um, look, it's always been a, been an existential threat to Israel, and they've been uh, the, the the attacks of uh, October seventh, the terrorist attacks, have been a wake up call to just how how thin that line is. Where you know you don't need to drop a nuclear bomb all you have to do is literally make people who are afraid of living in israel like literally the fear of something like what happened on october 7th could easily happen again if if, if hamas and other iranian proxies are not deterred um and 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 that's where american power comes in that's where our allies uh come in to, to really send the message not just the you know hamas is a it's a terrorist organization, but it's Iran that gives it gives it its power and its weapons and its money. Um, they they are sort of the the, the, the bad actor in, in the region that really stirs the drink and really puts the put, put, puts puts Israel on edge. Um, so you're you're absolutely right. I mean, 
on a political level, we talk, we're talking a lot of foreign policy on the politics for, for the, this White House. You know, there's a lot of 1979 parallels with going back. I mean, I know, Robin, you know your history really well. Uh, you know, Jimmy Carter had to deal with Iran and Russia. Uh, and they the the the, the hostage crisis, the, the toppling of the Shah, and the, the Islamic fundamentalist regime of the, the Ayatollah Khomeini taking charge under the Carter administration was what did uh, Jimmy Carter in back in '79. And then you had the the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. Uh, we're seeing two hot spots right now in the world, um, in in you know in 2023 in in Iran and in and in Russia that were that are calling causing all kinds of mischief around the world and threatening American interests. And I think from a political, I mean just. If you're if you're the Biden White House, this is, this is whatever whatever approval rating or whatever support he gets for his positions in the Middle East and on foreign policy. The notion that this world is falling apart, that America's leadership has never been so snubbed in the world, and that we're really teetering on the edge. I mean that that's really rough news for this White House. I, I think it's a no matter unless uh, you know Israel is able to take out Hamas quickly and things things wrap up quickly and you know best news outcome. Um, there are a lot of political headwinds that this White House is, are, is, is facing, in addition to everything else that they've been facing economically and, 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 um, and the broader, broader challenges and, and, and uh, malaise that, that, that's you know, percolating throughout the American public. One of the things that I'm sure has to be really disconcerting and shocking uh, to, to, uh, to, to Jew, Jewish Americans uh, and, 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 well, also Israelis, is some of the response here uh, in the United States especially on our campuses um is was that i guess was that surprising to you were you were, were you were, i mean i'm it it seems like the intensity of it i mean i saw some some video of, of people banging on a door of of some students jewish students inside the door i mean it it seems like it's it's way beyond what i guess i would have expected i'll just speak for myself well, look, we, we can go by the data and, and the Anti-Defamation League, which is the leading you know, civil rights group uh, protecting uh, against anti-Semitism, has shown that uh, since last year, so if you compare data, date to date from 2022 to 2023, since October 7th, there's been a 388% spike in anti-Semitic incidents, um, the ones you're talking about, the ones that have been documented um, in this country. Uh, in overseas, by the way, Robin, in Europe, in England, in France, in Germany, it's even higher. The, the, the increase. I mean, there's, a, there's a, already an elevated level of anti-Semitism in Europe that's even through off the charts. And but in the U.S., we haven't seen this type of. I and mean, I can tell you, in my lifetime, I've never seen a, such an open, uh, aggressive display of anti-Semitism. And and the fact that it's happening on on college campuses. This is these are supposedly the the youngest, the breath of our future, the, the you know the brightest minds in some of the Ivy League schools, um, and that's that you know i don't think it's the majority of the student body but you have so many people literally so siding with hamas tearing down posters of israeli hostages um there's something very rotten on the far left and and a lot of it's percolating from these u.s campuses where they've um sort of uh, exported a very very far left worldview that they kind of propagate and maybe in the classroom i think social media by the way robin is a part of it that oh, kids yeah. are getting their news from tiktok they're not getting it from the newspaper they're getting it from the, these algorithms run by China, <laughs> they're at least run by a Chinese company, a Chinese-owned company, uh, and and they don't have our the Americans or the Israelis' best interests or, at, at at heart. So you you have a lot of things at play. The the polling is just shocking because um, you know no matter what poll you look at, Israel has overwhelming support in the United States. Uh, it's it's it, it's pretty significant. Like you know, 70, 75 percent of Americans side with Israel. You know, Hamas is, is is as popular as Putin when you look at the polls. But the one exception, Robin, is is the eighteen to twenty nine year old. I mean, the, the, yeah. there was one poll that um, 
Mark Penn, former Clinton pollster, put out, and similar to other polls that have been out there, that showed that of people over the age of 65, 95% sided with Israel, only 5% sided with Hamas. But among 18 to 24-year-olds, the college students, it's almost 50-50. And that, that, that's such an outlier compared to every other age cohort. Um, so that's a real wake. I mean, you're, what you're seeing on these campuses, the actual rallies for Hamas in the immediate aftermath of one of the worst terrorist attacks I've seen in my, you know, you know, the Israeli 9-11, it was a, it was, it was the most obscene butchery and, and barbarity that you've seen uh, in, 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 you know, in my memory. It's, it's hard to imagine anything closer outside of, you know, 9-11 itself. Um, it, 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 it's shocking. It really is shocking. And it, it is, uh, and, and frankly, there's a lot of worry, uh, you know, among, among Jewish groups that the administration, even, even though they said all the right things in the immediate aftermath of, of, of the terror attack, they seem to be almost more focused on Islamophobia, which is a legitimate issue and a legitimate concern in the Muslim world and the Muslim communities. But the data shows that the, the anti-Semitism is, 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 is of a different degree. The spike in anti-Semitism is of a different degree, and we can see it publicly on a daily basis on, on some of the more, most elite campuses throughout the country. We got about a minute and a half. I mean, what my question is, where do they, where do they get this from? I, I mean, it, I feel the same disappointment in seeing anti-Semitism as I, as I do the racism through social media that that you know as americans you we, I, I know i you feel like you took pride when obama was elected we elected an african-american and then so, with social media you see all this um it, it, you know a lot of racist posts uh afterwards and now you're seeing these anti-semitic posts where are people getting this from their homes or are they getting it from school or social media well i, I will think that's a that's a larger question i hope i can get to the high points in about a minute and a half but social media i think is the gateway drug where it's made extremism on all sides more mainstream. It, it, it literally incentivizes extremism. Uh, so people who are on TikTok or, you know, Twitter and all these platforms, if you're not using them responsibly, you can get really, you know, almost brainwashed in some ways. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're at the very least, you're not getting a, 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 a good sense of what's the reality in, in the world. So that social media has been, a, I think, really accelerated some of the extremism just broadly in the political sphere. Um, but the other thing is this, the, there's, there's been, the, you know, especially since 2020, the pandemic, the, the George Floyd uh, murder, um, the, you know, the, the, the far left has really taken hold. There's sort of almost this is this is sort of bureaucracy of people on the hard left that have taken hold in universities that have taken hold, you know, in a lot of lot of deep blue spaces. Um, and I think a lot of people thought, like, you know, one, one example that's come up in recent days is, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And there's been a lot of debate over like, what does equity versus equality? What does that mean? What, what, what exactly are the goals of, 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 of it sounds very noble. It's that you want more diversity and more, more uh, inclusivity in, in, in public spaces. But when you actually dig deep into some of like what the ideology of some of these groups are, you realize that there is anti-Semitism then, that, that people like Jews are not considered part of, 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 of a oppressed or victimized class. So you, you see DEI offices and campuses and even like, corporations that haven't said a word or aren't offering any, any help to Jewish students, even though, you know, this is one of the worst, uh, it, it is the, the most, uh, the, the most Jews killed in any one day since the Holocaust. And yet very few people have been making a peep in corporations, universities, and, and so on in these DEI uh, offices. And that they were, they, they literally like put out a comment about everything in the news and, and they've been silent um, on, on this. So I think there's a lot to be learned about 
you know, some of the bureaucracy, some of the people who have been empowered in recent years on the far left that have just kind of taken over these, these some of these mainstream spaces. And, and it's a, I think it's a story that a lot of enterprising reporters will have a field day with um, because, uh, you know, just like social media has empowered the extremes, I think people, you know, a lot of institutions sort of look the other way as, as some extreme forces were taking hold. And now it's percolated in, in, in abject anti-Semitism and just some of the more, most obscene uh, displays of hate that I've seen in my lifetime. Josh, sorry for asking a, a question that could easily be the subject of an entire show and asking you to answer it in a minute and a half. That's my fault. But I'm I'm just, it, it's it's a, the degree of my concern about what's going on with social media that uh, I wanted to add in today. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I know you're very, very busy reporting. Uh, and and um, But thank you for taking the time to be on Heartland Politics today. Josh Krauschars, Editor-in-Chief of Jewish Insider, covering U.S. politics, philanthropy, and business news. Uh, he's been our guest. Uh, thank you again for being on. Thanks, Robin. Really appreciate it. And I always enjoy being on with you. Listening to Heartland Politics with Robin Johnson, a presentation of WVIK Quad Cities NPR.